playing would you rather today we're talking about yeah the trade deadline but we're also looking at teams and players in a micro scale and a macro scale what they're going to do this offseason how they're going to look moving forward it's going to be a, a fun back and forth i've got five would you rathers for peter apple peter apple has five would you rathers for me this is the just baseball show thursday july 28th and peter i told you right before we hit the record button something that we did not talk about when we were planning out the show um i decided to muster up the courage finally built up the gumption have the gonads to unleash a hot take wow Background. that's what i'm gonna say wow context because... mike trout is dealing with a costovertebral dysfunction in his t5 vertebrae um that was diagnosed by a doctor who apparently does not see this often at all. It is a rare back condition that, quote, um, he might be managing for his entire career. Your reaction to that, first of all, and then I'll get into my hot take. It really it sent kind of a bad feeling in my stomach, really, just about Mike Trout, because this is a guy who's always dealt with injuries his entire career. And especially with a back thing, yeah. when you're running all over the field, you're playing the outfield, you're jumping for fly balls, you know, with with how hard Trout even swings to. And I know it's a compact swing, but he's he's real torquey. He's real torque and he's going to need that bat. He relies on a lot of that elastic, you know, just kind of torque into the zone for lack of a better word it really scares me because i feel like this could be the beginning of the end of a player like mike trout and i don't mean to go too far but when i hear rare back condition for a guy who relies on his back a ton at his position it brings me to a dark place with one of my favorite players in major league history yeah i hear you um yeah what i will say is there are a lot of guys that have dealt with chronic injuries over their career um, another sport and a sport that I'm not sure how many of you follow, but I am a pretty big tennis guy. Um, like I'll watch all the grand slams and I'll watch some of the non-majors. And, uh, one of my favorite athletes of all time is Andre Agassi. And the best book that I've ever read is Andre Agassi's autobiography. Open is the name of it. So highly recommend reading that it has to do with you know a, a, an overly passionate and invested father growing up it has to do with him dropping out of school to pursue professional tennis him marrying brooke shields for a point and then now with steffi graf but what was really interesting is the book opens with him talking about the immense pain that he was in pretty much every morning when he woke up and how he was regularly getting cortisone injections trout just got one um a lot of the articles that I was reading about this back condition for Trout were that we're still about seven days away from him really feeling the benefits of his cortisone injection. But this could be a guy that like is getting multiple cortisone injections before the end of his career. He could just be a guy that is going to try and wince and bite down on the wooden spoon and 
and gut it out until the end of his career, which just sucks. And I don't want this to turn into a what if story. Um, he's still going to play knowing Trout and knowing how that dude functions. He's still probably going to play another eight to 10 years of professional baseball. Um, the question is, will it be at the level that we have seen him at? And I think the answer for everybody now is, I don't know. It's tough. Just a reminder, Trout signed a 12-year, $426 million deal in 2019. Yep. It's got a lot of years left. And so I think this also reflects on just enormous contracts in sports in mm -hmm. general, right? When we're talking about the Juan Soto $500 million extension and all of us, including myself, are saying, of course he's worth it. Look at the market. He's 23 years old. But at the end of the day, we're all human and nobody's perfect and injuries like this can happen. And I think you were even mentioning on a couple podcasts ago about a guy like Juan Soto that he relies a lot on the bat. Like what if a back injury or a hip injury or something like that happens? These teams will now be down hundreds of millions of dollars. And I'm sure the Angels are now looking at this contract combined with the Anthony Rendon contract and thinking to themselves, and I think I know where you're going with your hot take. Do you? I don't know. Say it. Are you thinking about my earlier hot take about trading Shohei? No, no, no. Trout? I'm not. Oh, I'm then not. never mind. Um, no, but I'll get to my hot take in a moment here. But Trout, 12 years, 426. Tatis, he's got a lot of time, but does that look like a, a great deal right now? He hasn't played yet. We have no idea what's going to go on with him. Machado looks like it could work. Harper looks like it could work. But let's go right back in history. For now, let's go back in history. The Albert Pujols contract with the Angels, awful. Rendon, awful. Yep. Josh Hamilton, the worst. Prince Pablo Fielder. Sandoval, big money. Who'd you say? Prince Fielder. Prince Fielder, awful. Scherzer worked out really well. That's a great contract there. But there are so many more, and, and there are probably more examples of contracts like that failing to triple the contracts like that working out, maybe quadruple. I could probably name on one hand the amount of 200 plus million dollar deals that have truly worked out. I might have to go to a second hand for one or two fingers, but the amount of deals like that that haven't worked out, I mean, I'm going to need like both your hands too. And there's a reason that they often don't work out, especially in baseball, because you can't win with one player. That's the name of the game. You're 25 deep. That's why teams like the Rays, who don't pay anyone and just focus on developing these young, talented prospects, yeah. they usually win more often than they don't. Even in the heydays of the Yankee deals, like I'm going back and, you know, even a deal like for Mark Teixeira, it worked out. You know, there was a long-term contract for CC, like the beginning years were great. The A-Rod contract, I mean, okay, like we did okay there, you know, and there's a lot more stories like that of it more often than not working out. So I think it's going to be interesting when we play Would You Rather and we talk about the Juan Soto stuff because yeah. it's almost you could be digging yourself into a trap and you don't even know it. Yeah. Um, and I'm of the thinking, like, I'm not saying don't pay players because I think players should make as much as the market demands that they get. I'm absolutely pro, pro players getting their bag. I mean, like, I will always be a fan of Patrick Corbin because that guy threw well the right time, got his bag, and it doesn't matter that he's putting together 
the, the career that he's putting together right now because he got his bag at the right time. I'm saying that I don't think anybody on the planet should be paid $100 million. They should be signing a $100 million contract. I don't. Like the president of the United States makes $440,000. Granted, like they don't have to worry about any expenses or anything like that. But I mean, you're telling me that a teacher of an elementary school makes $40,000 a year yeah. and Juan Soto is bitching about making $29 million a year. Like, I just don't think that's right. But that's an entirely different can of worms that I don't really have interest opening because that's not the world that we live in. Here's my hot take. We may never see Mike Trout at the peak of his powers again. Jacob deGrom in a rehab start with AAA Syracuse, and apparently he's close. He's very, very close. He didn't look like it yesterday afternoon. Four innings, two hits, four runs, all earned, three walks, six punch outs, home runs allowed to Brewer Hicklin, and Drew Waters. DeGrom did not look sharp. He did not look confident on the mound. I'm not saying that we're not going to see the best of Jacob DeGrom, but here's the hot take. I think we're past the point of defaulting to Mike Trout being the best hitter on the planet and Jacob DeGrom being the best pitcher on the planet. And at this very moment, I'm ready to say that somebody not named Mike Trout is the best hitter on the planet somebody not named Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher on the planet. And neither of those guys are the best players on the planet. I think Shohei Otani is the best player on planet earth. I think Sandy Alcantara is the best pitcher on planet earth. And I think that a lot of guys can make the case over Mike Trout for being the best hitter on planet earth right now. That take just made me smile ear to ear. And, and I've been thinking the same thing. I've been calling Shohei now for the past couple of weeks, and it really just became the past couple of weeks at this point because we have to think to ourselves, these guys have to play. Like, we can't just play. keep going back to, well, what we saw they really are. I don't Eric know. Eric Rose if- was the best point guard in the NBA. He's just got to not tear his ACL. No, he he still is. He still, I see, that's, still that's is. I stand by him. He still is. <laughs> but I don't know if truly we can call Sandy it yet. I don't. But it's hard to say that you're wrong there. I still would give best pitcher in the world to Corbin Burns. I but it's still not think Degrom. That's the point. It's that, yeah, not exactly. Jacob Degrom. I don't think it's Jacob Degrom because with Jacob Degrom, the point of baseball is you play 162. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I'd rather get now 30 starts from Corbin Burns over 10 of the best starts I've ever seen in my life from Jacob deGrom and no one is discounting Jacob's deGrom Jacob deGrom's talent is he the most talented pitcher when he's on the mound if you need one game to win is it still deGrom yes but if I need a guy for 30 starts I still think it's Corbin Burns a guy Corbin Burns who was challenging Pedro Martinez's record last year a Corbin Burns who's around 26 years old a Corbin Burns who's again shoving Day after day after day, he's actually pitching right now as we record and not pitching very well, which is kind of funny as I'm saying this. But at the at the end of the day, and I keep using at the end of the day, but it is at the end of the day, Corbin Burns still with his pitch mix is my best pitcher alive. But Shohei is the best player. Yeah. Not just alive. You want a hot take? Ever. Ever. Fucking ever. How is he not? Look at what he's doing on the mound this year. 
And I'm I'm gonna keep talking because I I bet you have the numbers too of what like let's quantify right now what Shohei Otani is doing on the mound, combined what he does at the plate. How many Angels games have you watched this year, people? Where the only time the Angels win is when Shohei can hit a home run or drive in four, or he's on the mound throwing seven shutty with eleven Ks. This is the only way the Angels can win games. And at the same time, when I said that one player cannot get you to win games by himself, we have found the one player that can win games almost by himself. The only player who I really can imagine is Barry Bonds. Because Barry Bonds in one season, and I saw this on the Dan Lebitard show. Was this 2004? He got on base. 376 times in 373 at-bats. Let that stat sink into your brain for a second. Jesus. Because with plate appearances, walks don't count as plate appearances. So he got on base by hit-by-pitches, by walks, by hits, more times than at-bats. That is the one player as well. Also, you could say Babe Ruth, I guess. But I don't see Willie Mays winning games by himself because he doesn't pitch. You know, and this probably is a very hot take for a lot of people who are baseball historians, and I agree, and I would love to just hash this out with people older in our generation who saw some more than we did. But it's so hard to say that right now, when you look at a Shohei Otani, that he isn't the greatest player ever, at least right now for what he's doing to the sport of baseball. Yeah, and he's not the best pitcher right now. He's not the best hitter right now. But the fact that he is a top 10 hitter and top 10 pitcher is something that could never be done in the history of ever, aside from Babe Ruth. And again, he did not do it at the same time. Shohei Otani so far this year, 94 games, got 21 bombs, has a 493 slugging. He's got an 842 OPS. On the mound, the numbers are more impressive. Last year, his offensive numbers were more impressive than his pitching numbers. But so far, his pitching numbers are more impressive than his offensive numbers. In 16 starts, he's got a 28 ERA. And in 93 and a third innings, he's got 134 punchouts, 23 walks, surrendering fewer than seven hits per nine, striking out 13 guys per nine and walking two guys per nine. So Shohei not only is a Cy Young candidate in the American League, but he's also, uh, he's got the opportunity to win the Silver Slugger at DH. Um, He won't, because Jordan Alvarez is going to do it. But like, I mean, dude, he's one of the best power hitters in baseball, and he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. So there we go. Um, Yeah, all right, hot takes out of the way. Would you rather? Can I also just... I want to bring Shohei across other sports too, because it's one thing to do it in baseball, which is harder than any sport because we're the only sport really where, you know, you never see someone doing both. But I think in football, this analogy still makes sense. And I've used it before, but I think it's important to use again now in this conversation. Think about it. Tom Brady, if he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league, And then, you know what a better example would probably be like a Patrick Mahomes. If Patrick Mahomes played some of the best quarterback in the league 
and then went over and played cornerback and was one of the best at intercepting the football in the league. So here's here's what I'm thinking, because Shohei, like Mahomes and Brady are like two of the top three. I'm thinking if Lamar Jackson was also like Derwin James. So like if Lamar Jackson, who is in the six to ten range in the quarterback rankings, was also one of the best defensive players in football. I think that's a better comparison. Right. And like if Lamar Jackson just decided to go out there and be Derwin James when he wasn't on the field, when his offense wasn't on the field, like it's it, we're looking at him as like oh, he's he's not human. He's an alien yes. life form. And not to mention, when's the last Shohei injury? 2020? Exactly. No, maybe 2019. That's what we're dealing with here. We're talking about durability and how much that matters in a marathon, not a sprint. And he's doing both, and he's being durable. Like, guys are getting hurt playing one position. Anthony Rendon doesn't really have to run that much at their base. Just sits there, hot corner. I mean, you get hit by a ball, but we know what I'm talking about here. Yeah. Shohei Otani does both every single day with speed. That's not. That's the most important thing, too, Jack. He's one of the fastest players in baseball. I was going over who's faster, Bobby Wood Jr. or O'Neill Cruz. Newsflash, it's Bobby Wood Jr. Yeah. Shohei Otani is up there with them. This is nothing that we've ever seen before. And, you know, I hear jokes um, all over social media about how MLB, you know, their social media is all they ever do is post Otani. There's a reason for that, people. We're witnessing something that we've never witnessed in our sport before. Yeah. And it's incredible. It's incredible to turn on the TV and watch every single night. Yeah, and that's why I found myself watching Angels Royals. Um, it looks like Shohei had a minor groin thing earlier this year, but that's about it. I mean, it's it's the elbow in 2019. He missed a game. Like, he's, ah. he's fine. His endurance is just through the roof. So, shout out Shohei. Would you rather time? It was a pretty heavy conversation we just had, but yeah, we could play. And, and we weren't prepped for that at all. Like, I, it was just like we just fully launched into it. Because I think we're both kind of on the same page as, you know, the season progresses with a Mike Trout who's just hasn't played that much. And we're almost at the trade deadline. Listen, in UFC or in boxing, if you don't box, you lose your belt. That's it. That's what happened in baseball here. Like Trout won't be boxing to the best of his capability. So he has the chance to get knocked out. And DeGrom literally hasn't fought. So his belt's up for grabs. His belt is up for grabs. You like Sandy. I like Corbin Burns. But I think we both can agree that the belt is not around his waist anymore. Yeah, it's around somebody else's. It might not be around anybody's, but it's not around DeGrom's right now. All right. Again, we each have five Mm would-you-rathers. They are centered around teams or individuals. They come from different point of views. So we might be asking from a fan's perspective. We might be asking you to put your GM hat on, things like that. And, you know, we'll go like relatively rapid fire. We'll probably go like two minutes on each of them. Cool. I like it. I'm down. You want to go uh, first you, or you want me to? You start because I know that we've got like a common one at the very end that we're kind of lumping into two. So you start. I'll go next. If you're the Mets, would you rather deal for Trey Mancini or Wilson Contreras? And I think the point is interesting because Wilson Contreras is going to cost a little bit more because at the end of the day, Wilson Contreras is 30 years old, 
But you kind of forget that Trey Mancini is also 30 years old. Wilson Contreras has performed much better this year. He's got an 843 OPS versus 741 OPS for Trey Mancini. But Trey Mancini is going to be cheaper than a guy like Wilson Contreras. Wilson Contreras adds that catcher element that the Mets do need. But what's more important for the Mets? You know, is it giving up more prospects? Remember, they just traded Pico Armstrong for a guy like Wilson Contreras. Or, excuse me, for Javier Baez. Would you rather deal for Trey Mancini or Wilson Contreras? I'd rather deal for Wilson Contreras because I think that fills a need that they need more badly uh, than the need that Trey Mancini would fill. They're going to get Mancini to be a DH. Wilson Contreras can also DH, but he can also catch. He's one of the best catchers in the league. So he can spell James McCann. We know that that's an immediate upgrade. They also just moved for Daniel Vogelbach. And I'm not saying that that should stop you from going to get a Bell or a Mancini, but like, you already have that power bat that you can have as a DH against right-handed pitching, which you'll see more often than not. Um, I think Wilson lining up with the timeline that the Mets have makes the most sense because that can keep Francisco Alvarez down in AAA. If Alvarez is ready, Wilson can DH, Alvarez can catch, and Wilson can catch on the days that Alvarez you know, needs a break on his knees. Um I don't think you need Mancini as bad as you could use Wilson Contreras. And my only point to add, because I agree with you, I would deal for Wilson Contreras because I think it's worth it because he can catch. Also, the Mets have two really good prospects that play the same position. I'm not even talking about catching. I'm talking about third base over there with Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos. They could part with a Mark Vientos in order to do this trade and not really feel it while Mark Vientos is a very solid prospect and will probably be a very solid big leaguer. But at the end of the day, having Brett Beatty there allows that trade to feel a little bit better for Mets fans. With the problems there over at third base with J.D. Davis, if you only had Mark Vientos, maybe I would lean a Trey Mancini in this type of deal. Maybe you don't want to give up that level of prospect when you're going to need a third baseman soon. But Steve Cohen also has the most money of any owner as well. So push comes to shove. They could just add a big-time third baseman in free agency. You go get Wilson Contreras. But for other teams, I don't know if it's as easy as that. I don't think it's as easy as that. And Vientos it's not like he's a gold glove third baseman. Like he's actually not that good of a defensive third baseman. He, he likely plays first base. So think about that, like a power hitting first baseman that has the potential to hit 40 bombs. Um, potential again, potential, like a lot of prospects don't work out like how we talk about them um, just because the odds are stacked against them to have great careers. And that's why there are hall of famers that, you know, there's only, there's only a handful of guys in the hall of fame that have played major league baseball. So I think you're okay parting with Vientos to go get Wilson Contreras, or maybe you do it with a couple of lower level, lower level guys. That was gross. (laughs) My first one, would you rather be in the Jays or the Rays position moving forward? Now, let me set it for you. Yes. I'm not just talking about this year because I think I would be in the Jays position this year personally, because the Jays are hitting the shit out of the ball. Um, They've got some pitching concerns, but they can go deal from the farm to go get a Frankie Montas or something. Um, The Rays obviously have the pitching and they've got Wander Franco locked up long-term, but they're as battered as anybody right now. I'm talking about moving forward. 
because you've got Shane McClanahan for at least five more years. You've got Shane Boz for at least five more years. We'll see what they do with Tyler Glass now when he comes back. You've got Wander Franco for the next 12 years. And you've got this young, exciting core with a lot of prospects coming down the pipes. Taj Bradley, Curtis Mead, Josh Lowe. With the Jays, you've got, what, four more years of Vladdy, four more years of Bo Bichette, four more years of George Springer, if I'm correct off the top, maybe three, three or four, three or four. Um, you've you got, got to put up with whatever you get from Barrios for the next six years. Um, like their talent's already there. There's not much more coming. Gabriel Moreno might be blocked by Alejandro Kirk now. So do you move Moreno for that key starter with control? These are questions that I want you to answer. Put your GM hat on for the foreseeable future. Would you rather be in control of the Jays or the Rays? It's the Rays. I would rather be in control of the Rays. And you kind of did an eyebrow raise there because you would side with the Blue Jays. But moving forward with all the data that they have and their prospects and the way that they know how to operate, I would rather be in control of the Rays. The Blue Jays are a flashier organization. and You have more top-end pieces. I know. It sounds blasphemous. But if you're talking about moving forward beyond this year, it is the race. For me, if you're talking about this trade deadline season, who could make the big moves and then who will end up being better this year, you can make the argument it is the Blue Jays. So it's almost a twofold approach because, to your point, they have Gabriel Moreno. They have Ricky Tiedemann. They have Jordan Groshans. You can make big-time splashes, and you also have more money to operate as the Blue Jays do. But at the same time, you're in win-now mode. So if I'm looking at a team for the foreseeable future, it's the Rays. If I'm looking at a win-now mode, who's in the best position to kill it at the deadline and end up being that third-best team in the American League besides the Yankees and the Astros, it's the Blue Jays. Do you know how hard it is for me to look at Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and say, no, I want the other one? I understand. And Impossible. I'm I'm not going to do it. I've been the biggest Bo Bichette. Tr- I mean, I, I'm not telling you the truth about Bo Bichette. I just love Bo, Bo Bichette. Truther. Rather than a truther, I'm more, than, I'm more of a stan. Okay. I'm a big okay. Bo Bichette stan. Yeah. I love what he brings to the table. And I love the Blue Jays. And it's not like this is an easy decision because I do believe that the Blue Jays have a bright future as well. But I believe all the best Blue Jays prospects are here. I don't know necessarily if there's tons of more Vladdy's, tons of more Bobachettes in their system while I look at the Rays system and I only see the best is yet to come. I just saw Taj Bradley. That dude has fastball jump like you wouldn't believe. Curtis Mead, every single place he goes, he hits. He's already in AAA as a 21-year-old raking. There is so much to love. Shane Boz, we haven't even truly unlocked him yet. Shane McClanahan is just getting started. While you could say Alec Manoa, I think both of us would say that Shane McClanahan is probably better than Alec Manoa. I don't think that's a hot take. How much longer does Gosman last? So close. Where's Barrios going? Yeah. That's my thing here. I believe in the higher floor of the Rays rather than a possible championship if they everything works right with the Blue Jays. But give me the higher floor with the Rays. Just God, I just love that offense. I'm just not going to say no to that. I understand. I understand because you look at the Rays offense and you see. See the wandering, and that's it. 
but they're also the most injured team in baseball, or at least one of them. Yeah, Brandon like, Lau just returned. Yeah. You know, Harold Ramirez still hits. I know these aren't the sexiest name in the world. Manuel Margot, he still is on the shelf. But like, like Toronto's Franco, got the sexiest names. Toronto has the sexiest names in baseball. I understand. Can't say but no to sexiest. Just talking at the beginning about how it's a team game almost from start to finish. And from start to finish, from 1 to 25, even down to Durham, this is a better organization. And Whatever. if they even move locations, maybe they get a new owner with some money, you combine the intelligence of this team that doesn't have to spend money and is still one of the top teams, or you have the Blue Jays in their flash right now, and I would choose the race. All right. Your next one. That was a good conversation, too. <laughs> Here's another one. If you're the Cardinals, is it worth it to trade three or four of your top prospects and a big league piece for Juan Soto or go out and add a big-time starter like a Frankie Montas for much cheaper? I'm not even going to preface that with one. I just want to hear what you say. I think they should go get Frankie Montas. And I think that they can go get Frankie Montas without dealing Jordan Walker or Mason Wynn. Mm -hmm. They could deal Wynn, but for Soto, what you're going to have to do is not only Walker and Wynn, but also Dylan Carlson. And that is just a big no-no for me. Um, so I, I think, I don't know. I honestly, if I'm a GM of any team, I'm not trading for Juan Soto. I'm not just because I'm not sure how this is all going to work out. And again, like you can look at the Miguel Cabrera trade and say, okay, that was a superstar that like you got this amazing prospect hall for, and they all didn't pan out. Okay. But, um, again, Juan Soto is 23 years old. There is no lock that he is going to be this for the next 10 years. Um, I think if any team was going to do it and it's not killing them as an organization it would be the Dodgers. I think that's the only team that makes sense. Um, but if I'm San Diego, I'm not obliterating the farm um, for Juan Soto. If I'm St. Louis, I'm not obliterating what I just built for Juan Soto. I'm going to go get Montas. I, I'm going to go get exactly what I need. I actually don't think they need an outfielder. I think they need starting pitching, end of list, end of yep. story. So go get Frankie Montas for a much, much smaller haul and go try and win the World Series. I totally agree with you. And the more I think about it, the more I dive deep, the more and more I want to trade for Juan Soto less. I don't want to do it. I really don't. And to your point, the Dodgers could do it because they're in a in the Death Star above Earth. They're not on they're not working with the same rules that the rest of the 29 teams are working with not even the Yankees. So they are not only the best team in the national league right now, but they're doing it without all the guys that they could deal for Juan Soto. You could put together a deal headlined by Dustin may who mm -hmm. has not thrown in a game so far this year. He's recovering from Tommy John, Bobby Miller, Andy Pajes, Miguel Vargas, and other prospects. Zero combined games for the Dodgers this year, and they're still the best team in the National League. Yep, that's why they can do it. And then they could make that enormous type deal because it seems they like the they money. don't really care about money anyway either. Yeah. 
So I agree with you. That's the one team. But if I'm the St. Louis Cardinals, we said it day one when we were going through these teams. The starting pitching might be the issue here because the bullpen is great and the offense, I know they went through some slides, but we're finally seeing it. And the defense is otherworldly elite. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think they really need an outfielder. And Jordan Walker could be really, really good. Really, yeah, really like, good. I know? mean, there is a 99.9% chance he's not Juan Soto, Jordan Walker. Let's say that. Clear as day, we can say that. But the the opportunity to hold have... on, but what's the percent chance that he's Paul Goldschmidt? Yeah, like I don't know, 15, 10. I'll take it. Higher. I'll absolutely take it. I don't I need to higher. trade. What? I was going to say higher. I think he's amazing. He's amazing, yeah, but like you have no idea how these guys progress. Like maybe he breaks a wrist. He gets True. hit by a pitch tonight, that type of thing. You have no clue what's going to happen with these guys. I think Jordan Walker is going to be incredible, but the reality is like even the best of the best prospects have only a 15% chance, 20% chance of becoming a perennial all-star. That's fair. That's fair. Um, staying on the Soto thing. Uh, and then we'll jump back to the Cardinals for my next one. But my one here, obviously Soto to the Dodgers would just break baseball and it wouldn't be that fun. But as a baseball fan, the two other teams with the Dodgers that are rumored the most with Juan Soto are the Padres and the Cardinals. Would you rather as a baseball fan see Juan Soto on the Padres or on the Cardinals? As a baseball fan, I'd rather see him on the Cardinals. Um, that's a more fun, better organization, in my opinion, than the San Diego Padres. Him on the Padres, you have Tatis, and you have Juan Soto, and you have Manny Machado. That front three is the best front three ever created. It's very possible that you'd be correct. But when is Tatis coming back? And you put him in the middle of Goldschmidt and Arenado, not that far off. And those guys are healthy. And Paul Goldschmidt is going to win the MVP over Manny Machado too. That's also elite. And then you have so many other options. And we talked about how bad Juan Soto's defense is. Who cares? Plug him in in the ad outfield. They have everyone else could be a gold glove contender. Nolan Arenado has been one of the best defenders in the entire sport this year. Better than Manny Machado. At least by outs above average. Yeah. That is a better, more fun team for me to watch than the San Diego Padres. And I've said it. I've, we've been arguing who's better, Cardinals or Padres. I am still on the side of the Cardinals. I think they play better winning baseball than the San Diego Padres do. And to put a guy like Juan Soto on there, I'd enjoy watching that more as a baseball fan. Fair. Um, here's what we do know. When the Toronto Blue Jays get to the World Series, you will not see Paul Goldschmidt or Nolan Arenado playing road games. Um, so I have no idea what Tatis's deal is or what Manny Machado's deal is. But uh, just think about that when you make your decision there. Uh, fall Classic up north, no Arenado, no Goldschmidt. I still hate that. The, uh, the fact that we have to project vaccination <laughs> status when we're looking at lineups. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, man. It's brutal. Um, all right, your next one. All right, my next one is, and this one is for you. We've talked about Are, this. Were the other ones not for me? I'm sorry I answered. This is specifically for you. I'm excited. If you're the White Sox, would you rather go into full buy mode or, or sell at the deadline? I'm going to preface it with this. 
I look at the White Sox more and more. And maybe I'm falling into an angel's trap. But I think they have a real shot at this again. Yeah. I think they still can win the division. Yeah. You add some big-time relievers. Maybe you even add a starter. Maybe you go kind of fully, full out. You know, you got Oscar Colas in your system, who Arm is raving about. You got Colson Montgomery, who seems to be an absolute steal. Those guys could command a lot in deals, maybe even in separate deals, if you're willing to go all out right now. They should be going all out right now. Similar to the Blue Jays, you look at the White Sox roster, and I feel like I think to myself, this team can compete with them too. I know you still got Tony La Russa, and maybe at the end it won't end up working out. But if you stand pat, the farm system isn't good enough to then, okay, we now see the window a little bit later. So I think the White Sox are in a very interesting position. I think they should go full buy mode or really start to tear it down because then you have to build up that farm. Yeah. Would you rather go full buy mode or full sell mode? I'd rather they buy. They're going to buy. They're not going to sell. They have been very clear on that. They're not going to sell. You rather do. I'd rather buy. Um, I know how precious winning windows are. Um, the team across town did not have one for 108 years. I'm not saying that that'll ever happen to the White Sox or the Cubs again or like any team in baseball again. I 108 years cannot happen again. It won't. Um, but what I will say is winning wind like you have been prepped since 2008 or 2009 for this window that you are in right now like this is a 10-year project seeing its way through and a couple injuries here and there i understand like the fan base is pessimistic but that's because you have a senile man managing your team um you get rid of that you bring in a 40 to 45 year old like this fan base is going to be happy i promise you I'm going to want to watch every game if that's the case. Um, and I still watch pretty much every game in some capacity um, with Tony as the manager. Like that, that does not change much at all. Cease is incredible. Kopech is really good. Luis Robert is insanely good when he's on the field. Unfortunately, he's dealing with vertigo, I want to say, after COVID complications. Yeah. Tim Anderson's a freak show. Jose Abreu has been awesome for years. Yohan Moncada is finally starting to figure it out. Eloy Jimenez is made of glass, but when he's on the field, he can hit nukes. Andrew Vaughn is really, really good. And you've got other pieces here with A.J. Pollock and Yasmani Grandal, who still has some value here. They were just hurt. They had wow. managerial and front office ineptitude. Aside from Rick Hahn, they're going to buy. Seen them connected to Jose Quintana. I would love that reunion more than anything in the world. I think that gives you a veteran presence in that rotation. And I would love for them to go get a Daniel Bard type guy. So I think if they were to add a Bard and a Quintana, I'm happy at the deadline. Go get more. Um, you can like stomach that. This is what I'm saying here. Be the big winners of the deadline. I don't think they will. I... I know. I, I'm not saying that they will. I'm not projecting that they will. I'm saying be it if any White Sox person in the front office is for some reason listening to this. Be it. Because you can win your division. 
and you just got to get to the playoffs. But the thing and is, anything can, can happen. They can win their division by doing nothing. That's the thing. I don't think they can. I think they can. I I don't. They the bullpen. I mean, you're, you use Kendall Graveman every single day. And like you will not be able to hold down. I don't know how much longer Cueto is going to last. Lynn has not been good. I do think Lynn's going to get better, and we'll see if Cueto continues to pitch well. I hope he does. He's kind of awesome to watch. Yeah. But you do have some injuries in this lineup. You have to add big. If not, if you add a Jose Quintana and a Daniel Bard, I think you can win the division. Yeah. But the Twins are going to add. We think the Guardians are going to get Sean Murphy. If you don't add big time, I don't think that you win the division. We'll see. I think they might. They might. I don't know. It'll be interesting. All right, my next one. I've got three more. You've got two more? Two more. Okay. Um, Here's one. Former White Sox, old friend. Would you rather Carlos Rodon opt in or out of his contract? He just hit his option. He threw 110 innings this year, so he can opt out of his deal. Um, would you rather see him play this next year for, I want to say, $22 million with the Giants or go try and hunt a five-year bag with somebody else? I would rather see this man get his back. I would rather see him opt out, especially because I think it's clear now that Rodon in a good situation is one of the better pitchers in baseball. You know that lefty, when he gets going and he's on, is one of the best left-handed pitchers in baseball. What's stopping a team from looking at Carlos Rodon and saying, he's just as good as Robbie Ray, if not better? What's stopping that? I think he is. I would pay him similarly, and I would love him as a Yankee fan on the Yankees because I think he brings that same sort of horse attitude that a Garrett Cole brings, that a Sandy brings. This guy is built like a brick shit house. Although he's dealt with injuries in the past, he screams durability at me, and he's been durable this year. You just said he's at 110 innings already. There's not a lot of pitchers that can say that in baseball. He seems to have figured out his body. He's consistently 95. I would love to see him opt out and go get a big old bag as he deserves it. You know, he was a tick or two down on his fastballs last couple of starts. Sort of. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's not 99. It's not 99. But I bet if you have him in the playoffs, though, I bet you'll see 97 and 99. We'll see. I hope so. We're in the dog days. These guys aren't pushing it. It's not like he's hurt and dealing with something, or at least we have no we have no reports of that. We haven't heard anything like that. I would prefer if Rodon opted out. Um, but all I'm saying is before we call him a horse, because mentally he is absolutely a horse. Physically, I have no idea if he holds up like that because these are uncharted waters for Rodon. He's never done this before. So before, you know, like he's at 100 and what, 15, 120 innings right now. He like, we need to see him get to 180 before we actually call him the horse that we think he is up up in his head. But don't you think there's a mental aspect to that too, that he knows all of this different stuff about his innings and re- he's really trying to prove that he can get to 180, 200 and that he can still get away with throwing 93 to 95 because he is that good of a pitcher. 
Yes, but wanting to do something and your body allowing you to do it are two totally different things. I guess you're right, but I I have no I have no inclination to believe that he's injured right now, and that's what's leading. No, to he's not injured right now. Effort. He's I think not it's injured. More the right latter. Right. I think I'm it's more the latter. What I said. He could be fatigued. I'm thinking that he might be fatigued a little bit because again, he has never thrown this many innings before in his life. But that's that. I think it's possible, but I think we'll see how he develops over the rest of the season. Yep. This one is a hypothetical that I put on TikTok that a lot of people had differing answers to, and I'm very interested to hear your answer. If you're the New York Yankees, would you rather extend Aaron Judge or trade for Juan Soto? Aaron Judge is going to cost a lot of money. Aaron Judge might break Roger Maris's home run record at 61 home runs for the Yankees. He's going to ask for eight, nine years. Why wouldn't he get $35 million a year? Quicker than a heartbeat. Quicker than a heartbeat, I say extend, Judge. Or would you rather trade the entire farm system and then give Juan Soto $500 million? I'm telling you, quicker than you can bat an eye, I am handing Judge that check. You want to hear my hot take? Yeah. I don't want to do either. Oh, no, 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 no. Why not Judge? It's 30 years old. We just talked about this. These really long-term contracts... This takes nothing away from Aaron Judge. The first couple of years of the contract, he's going to be phenomenal because he is phenomenal. But on the same side, I do not want the Yankees to gut their farm system and then go trade for a Juan Soto. And I don't feel like this answer has been talked about a lot, that maybe I don't want to take the red pill or the blue pill, that maybe I don't love either of those two options. Both options scare the living shit out of me. And me, it's not my money. I understand. And I could just say, oh, of course, just give it to Judge. Why not? It's not my money. Screw it, you know? But I'm looking at the future of the Yankees, understanding that more often than not, those type of contracts don't work out. Six foot seven outfielder who does get a lot of his, not a lot of his value because he's a phenomenal hitter. But the reason why he's so great is because he's also a great defender. How much longer is the 6'7 outfielder at 30 years old a great defender? He has an optimized swing. His swing is phenomenal. So I think he's going to hit for a long time. But paying him that amount of money for, and it depends. If he wants a seven-year deal for even more AAV, I'll take that. But if it's nine years, if it's 10 years, because he said no to a seven-year deal, and I don't think he wants a six-year deal and then be a free agent, excuse me, at 36 years old. I don't think he wants to sign another contract. I think he wants this to be the final contract that he signs. And I think someone's going to give him an eight- or nine-year deal with a lot of money. And I don't want to do either. I I think the Yankees should do an eight-year deal for Judge. I do, because what's the better option? Well, I don't know the better option. I don't think there is one. 
But there might be something that we don't even know yet. There might be. Who is that? I'm just saying I don't know it yet. And I think that's okay that I don't have to answer it on this no, podcast right this second. Think of right a plan of attack here. Think of a plan because if you're if you're going to get one of the young stars via trade, you're going to have to give up a lot of those prospects that we're saying no to dealing for Soto. Well, the Yankees do have a very good farm system with a lot of really good outfielders in it. You know, Jason Dominguez is coming up and Everson Pereira is coming up and Estefan Floreal is coming up. There are a lot of good options in this farm system. I believe in the Yankees' ability to develop these prospects as well. I know that hasn't been proven over a long time, but we have a new player development system and it seems to be working out because our system has risen. I keep saying our, the Yankees' system has risen from one of the bottom dwellers to one of the best in baseball and continues to rise. Dude, I mean, you're just you're begging that one of them puts a, a season together like what Judge has put together multiple times. I agree, but there was also multiple times where he dealt with injuries the entire season. I think you hand Judge a blank check for seven years and say, you tell us the AAV. And I don't know if he takes it. 45 a year for seven years? We'll see if that works out. God, I think it might. I think it might. Um, all right. I'm handing you a crisp Benjamin. Hundo. Would you rather put that hundo on the Brewers or the Cardinals to win the NL Central at this very moment before the Cardinals deal for anybody, before the Brewers deal for anybody? At this moment, thinking that the Cardinals might make a move, thinking that the Brewers might make a move, who are you putting in a $100 bet on to win the NL Central? I'm going to sound like the biggest St. Louis Cardinals fan in the world. The St. Louis Cardinals. I would put that $100 on to win the NL Central. I think they play winning baseball over a 162 season. I look at the Brewers lineup right now, and nobody scares me. Yelich has not been that guy this season. Willie Adamas is your best hitter, and Rowdy Telez hits third. Andrew McCutcheon, Luis Arias, Jonathan Davis, Hunter Renfro. Colton Wong. Who scares you? Omar Narvaez. Who scares you? Corbin Burns is the best. Brandon Woodruff has been very good, but not the same Brandon Woodruff that we've seen, but I still believe in him. Of course, he's still one of the better pitchers in baseball. Freddie's been hurt. Ashby's been a bit inconsistent, but still has great stuff. They're trying out their first rounder from 2019, Ethan Small, who didn't perform well in his last start. And Josh Hader doesn't look the same either. If we're talking about velo drops, how about the fact that Josh Hader isn't throwing really the same type of velocity that he has been? Devin Williams has been great, but it's not like the rest of the bullpen has been that great either. I believe in the St. Louis Cardinals, and it's also under the assumption that they will make bigger moves than the Brewers do. But even still right now, I like the Cardinals better. I like the Cardinals better too. And I don't know, like it's it's all the same reasons that you throw out here. I also think that they're going to make a move to get better. And I don't know what kind of move the Brewers make to get better. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I think the Cardinals are going to win the NL Central. I do. Before we move on to our last one, can we? This episode may make people very upset. Hate us? Yeah, we have been coming. This is maybe our hottest take episode that we've ever had. We might just label this as. Hot takes only listen with caution. I don't think I'm going to do that just to like 
make sure that the audience comes here for this very moment where they hear us talking about this so we know that we're insane um no i because i think you and i right now are speaking from our inner baseball feelings would you say so yeah i, I needed a therapy session i needed yeah. to let shit out yeah did you i did too yeah. can we call this at least therapy session yeah so we're letting it out right now we're letting we're it out throwing shit at the wall all right your last one my last one if you're the braves would you rather focus on starting pitching at the deadline or get some under the radar bats and bullpen depth I think the Braves could kind of go either way with this one. So I think either answer could be right. But let's just go over the starting pitching right now. Charlie Morton's 40. Ian Anderson's got an ERA over five. Kyle Wright hasn't fully proved it yet. Max Freed is a dog. No debate there. Spencer Strider is throwing 100 still. But another guy like Kyle Wright, who still hasn't proved it over the length of the full season. Then you look at the offense, and the offense looks very good, of course. Matt Olson just hit his 20th. He's a rock star. Austin Riley's a dark horse MVP at this point. Ron Acuna Jr. is one of the best overall players in the sport. But Adam Duvall is now injured. You look at the outfield, and not a lot of it jumps out to me. The bullpen has been solid, but you can never have enough bullpen help. And the Braves bullpen doesn't even rank as a top one or top two, even though I said at the beginning of the year that on paper, this could be one of the greatest bullpens I've ever seen, but they haven't performed as that. So if you don't want to gut your system and I assume they don't, they're not going to go get Luis Castillo and then they don't add have a deep a, system. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're not going to add like big time, big time outfielders. You know, I don't think they go get Ben attendee and Luis Castillo or something like that. Would you rather get a Luis Castillo and that's your big trade? Or would you rather maybe deal for a Robbie Grossman? You know, maybe a Michael A. Taylor. Yeah. And then go get a Michael Fulmer type, a Joe Jimenez type from the Tigers, maybe a Daniel Bard. And that's more of your deadline. What are you thinking? Um, I'm thinking you make minor moves. And uh, when you say that the outfield doesn't stand out, are you – accounting for Acuna and Michael Harris. Um, I am accounting like, for Acuna and Michael Harris. So you need, you need one. Um, and, and like their options have been fine. Like the cast of characters that they've run out there have been fine, but I would like a consistent outfielder. I actually don't think they need it. We know how good the infield is. Um, they obviously don't need catching. I don't think you need starting pitching. I think getting a five might be good. Um, I think Quintana makes a lot of sense. In Atlanta, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I I don't think you need to spend for a guy like Martin Perez. Like I think you can go get an expiring Quintana who will have some suitors, and that's about it. Um, yeah, I I think you make a minor move in the rotation. You make if you're going to get a notable name, it should be a reliever. I think that they should go get a minor starting pitcher, um, a fine outfielder if you're going to go get a bat, but go get a legitimate reliever. I think you're right. The reason why I didn't say I don't think the outfield is as good is because I remember the outfield from last year, the Jorge Soler, the Jock Peterson, the Eddie Rosario. I mean, just Adam Duvall even was playing great. They went four or five deep there. This year, I think they're right now, they're about two deep because I don't know if Eddie Rosario still is that guy. I think he's been okay, 
but I think he's more of the off the bench outfielder than a real hammer there in left field. Yeah. I hear you, man. Um, I don't know. It's, it's tough. I think, uh, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think Atlanta has to do much. That's all I'll say there. I agree. They're so good. Yeah. So, uh, all right. My last one. Oh yeah. It's a twofer kind of, um, all right. Would you rather trade Xander Bogarts or try your luck with him this offseason? Which pretty much is saying, should the Red Sox buy or sell? This one is very, very difficult. This is the most difficult question we've been asked, I think. Because they're in such a weird spot right now. What I'd do is I would add. I would not trade Bogarts, and I would add. I still think that this team has a skeleton of a winner. They just need some more meat. But what I think they will do is I think they will trade a guy like Xander Bogarts. I don't know if they think he's going to stick it short anymore. Rafael Devers could be gone. J.D. Martinez could be gone. My personal opinion is not the same as what I think will happen. But that's where I'm at on the Red Sox. It's very tough. I think that it would be optics suicide if they sold. I don't think they're going to do it. I think think they're going to try and buy. I don't know why. You, You think they should? I think they have the skeleton of a winner. But like what? What can they buy? They could go one of these make, pitchers. Yeah, they could go up, make a move for you know it's Tyler like Malley, Tyler Malley, maybe even Merrill Kelly. Maybe they make a big time trade for Zach Gallen. Shit, pitchers that we haven't been thinking of as much. You know, maybe they even asked the Rockies, like, maybe Herman Marquez would be okay with us. Do you do you realize how, like, we're talking about the Boston Red Sox, and you just said Merrill Kelly could be a target for them, while they just signed Rich Hill, James Paxton, and Michael Waka this offseason. The Boston fucking Red Sox. We're talking about mid-30s jabrones. I understand Merrill Kelly's more than a jabron, but, like, at the end of the day, it's like another 33-year-old right-hander that like doesn't look like a professional baseball player when he walks out of the locker room. Yeah, but he's been pitching like a very good professional baseball player. Yeah. And you're right above three. And, you know, all the X stats would say that it's looking pretty good for Merrill Oh, God. It's true, oh, though. I mean, but that does me matter. With the X stats. It yeah, does it matter does. that he is like performing and it still looks really good for him. And the command has been phenomenal. I've said this a bunch of times already. But I'm just impressed with every, every Merrill Kelly start I watch because the catcher's glove doesn't move. Yeah. They could use a guy like that who eats innings. Remember, he came up in 2019. He doesn't have that many innings under his belt. So while he's 33, he doesn't have a 33-year-old's body. Uh, he has as well, many. on the outside, yes. But he has as arm. many airline <laughs> miles as you could possibly imagine. You say he doesn't have that many innings under his belt. I say that his innings, nobody was watching. He was in the KBO. He was in minor league baseball forever. Like Merrill Kelly was throwing all the time because he was craving that shot. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. I think the Red Sox are in a really tough situation right now. I don't think for the sake of that fan base that they should be trading Xander Bogarts. 
Um, Cause I think that would be uh, again, optic suicide. I think that would wreck Chaim Bloom and the Red Sox. Chaim. Yeah. I'm Jewish, man. Chaim. I'm tired of this episode. Go I'm take like a nap. I got to go call a game. I got to go see a Spencer Torkelson play for the Toledo Mudhens. Oh, shout out Kerry Carpenter. Kerry Carpenter, 19th round pick of the Tigers out of Virginia Tech in 2019. 27 bombs so far this year. He's got an OPS right around 1,100 on the year. Wow. It's so weird across double A and triple A. Kerry Carpenter, remember the name. Great swing. 27 pumps. There's the Tigers point. Give yeah. us a little bit about what you've seen from Torque since he's been in the minors. Uh, I've only seen one game. I will tell you that, like, it's not – his swing is so simple. It's so pretty. It's hard for the naked eye or anybody that is not watching Spencer Torkelson hit every day to figure out what's going on. Um, it is a torque problem. And, like, you try and locate, oh, like, maybe he's struggling in righty-righty matchups. He hit 197 in about 80 games with the Tigers. He hit 180, or he hit 197 against right-handed pitching. He hit 197 against left-handed pitching. There's no rhyme or reason statistically as to why Torkelson – was as bad as he was at the big league level i think you gotta ask torque um but listen if i see anything over the next six days i'll be sure to report well that'll do it for this episode of the just baseball show use code just baseball when you download prize picks that link is in our episode description we are doing a break with our wild cards team with our boys t and kendall on August 7th at 7 p.m. on Whatnot. Download the app in that episode description as well. Make sure to get your Just Baseball merch. It's the best way to support this podcast, as well as if you enjoy listening, following along with us. If you give us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, tell us what you like. And if you're watching this on YouTube, if you give us a like, hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment of how insane some of our takes were today. But Jack... I think we aired some things out of deep, dark feelings that we're feeling about baseball. And I hope that people can appreciate that, you know, we could give you just the, you know, the medium takes. We can just get through this podcast, but that's not what we do here. That's not what we, we came do in here. hot and we're leaving hot. I want you to think about, um, I've been on my Stranger Things kick recently. So I want you to think about season two, Will Byers being chained down to that bed and they're blasting heat on him. And the mind flare shoots out of his face and his eyes and his ears and everywhere. And then just goes right back to the upside down. That's the kind of heat that just came from us that we spewed out of our mouth. And with that, thank you, everybody. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.